Hi, and welcome to Tea and Strumpets, a Regency Romance Review. I'm Zoe. And I'm Kelsey. And today, I just, you know, we've got Bridgerton fever. um, And as we mentioned before, we're recording this a little bit earlier than we usually do before our episodes come out. So it's possible that they've announced that Bridgerton Netflix has a release date. It's also possible they still haven't announced. It's also possible it's already out. We don't know. Welcome to the future. But we're still, like, very excited about Bridgerton. I'm just saying, and we're very excited because Julia Quinn posted a thing about how a review labeled Bridgerton's as, like, a mix of Gossip Girl meets Pride and Prejudice. So... And, you know... That sounds pretty good, uh, but we already knew that. <laughs> well, we did because um, we read the books. <laughs> and like, I, no, no shade to Gossip Girl at all, but like, I hope Bridgerton's even better. <laughs> it's going to be even better because the level of snark is so much better. Mm-hmm. So we're obviously still very excited for Bridgerton Netflix. It's always really fun to see something that you love come to life. You know, like I I think I've talked about this many times before. I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. I think Kelsey, you fall somewhere in that realm too, as as liking Harry (laughs) Potter. Not quite your level, but you know, I'm up there. But still, and you know, like I definitely feel like the Harry Potter movies are a you know, a disappointment to the books, but it's still, I still really enjoyed seeing my favorite characters come to life. Um, and there were a lot of things I loved about it. And so every time that I watch a, sh- you know, a, sh- a piece of media based on a book I love, I always try to like, take it with a grain of salt, know it's going to be different, and also say, like, you get to see something you love come to life. And how fun is that? And if if I approach it with that mindset, I usually come away from it at least somewhat satisfied. <laughs> I would agree with that. And I think that, you know, as – so I came to Harry Potter. Like, I, re- I read the first book, and then I, like, took a long hiatus, watched all the movies, and then right before the second part of book seven came out, that was when I was like, okay, I need to read these books finally. And so I read them, and having seen all the movies, I could appreciate how much better the books were, but – for me, it didn't take away from my enjoyment of the movies. So, like, they just hold very separate places for me. Totally fair. Uh, my heart hurts a little bit hearing that. I don't know if I remembered that fact about you. You know, it was, uh, it was okay. It was before I met you. I had read everything and seen all the things before I met you. Okay, so that's that's why we could be friends now. I'm just <laughs> um, but what I did wanna say is like or what I did wanna ask you is what are you most excited about to see or for Bridgerton Netflix? I'm really excited to see the characters come to life because I just mm-hmm. I love all of them. So like especially Daphne and Simon and the siblings interactions. Like I just hope the sibling interaction, the chemistry is there like it is in the book. Mm-hmm. Like that's all I really need from it. Like whatever twists and turns they take on the story, I can give them creative license for. But mm-hmm. I want to see the sibling interaction just fly off the screen because that's what does it in the book for me. Yeah, I I agree. Um, I'm excited for that. I'm excited for to see like how they interpret the characters, you know, because you know, especially with Penelope, shall we say, you know, she's such a wallflower and and small character in the beginning of the books, mm-hmm. right? We don't really like we always get a little bit of her. We always know that she has a little something under the surface, but we really don't learn 
everything until, you know, the big reveal. Yeah. Um, and so I'm interested to see how they do that in in the show, because I think that, you know, with Julia or with Julie, uh, with Julie Andrews voicing Lady Whistledown, they're not going to do the reveal this oh, no, season. Like, no. there's no way. There's no and way. So what are we going to get from Penelope? I'm already so excited for um, the actress that's playing her, Nicola. Oh, my God. Uh, I don't remember her last name right now. Nicola. Ah, hold on. To the Google. Uh, Nicola Coughlin or Colin. It's, oh, gosh. I'm sure that there's the right Irish name to pronounce it. And I'm so sorry, Nicola. But um, anyhow, uh, please forgive me. How is it spelled? C-O-U-G-H-L-A-N. Coughlin. Coughlin? Okay. Mm-hmm. All righty. Uh, you've heard it from Kelsey. So you you guys uh, let know her know if she got it wrong. There's an Olympic swimmer who went to my high school and her last name is Coughlin and it's spelled the exact same way. This is But how is I she know Irish? I don't know. She was way so ahead. It like could, she graduated it could. before. But I don't know. Coughlin is how I know to pronounce it because that's how they pronounce it in the Olympic announcers. So there you go. Okay, so one person with the same spelling pronounces their name Coglin. <laughs> so we're going with that. Yeah. Uh, it's the same, like Rothschild. I had a, prof- uh, a teacher named Rothschild, and then I went and lived in Israel, and they pronounce it so differently. They pronounce it Rothschild, and uh, oh. that's very different. So anyhow, I know pronunciations vary based on uh, where you're from. But the point being that I'm very excited to see her portrayal. I mean, she's excellent um, in what she does, and so like I'm excited for that. I'm also excited for how the voiceover is going to work, you know, and just I'm excited for everything. Oh, my God. I can't I wait. I'm very excited. I'm very, and I'm very excited. excited. What about for season two? Like, I'm so excited to see how they do the, a continuation. They better – I hope. I mean, they, they better do it. There's no reason why they, this isn't going to get better signed for do season it two. Because, I mean, we've already talked about how – Daphne and Simon, great book, you know, has some problems, but great book. But let's be real, Mm -hmm. like, Kate and Anthony need to see it. Need to see it. Yeah. Also, Benedict and Sophie. Like, there's so many I need to see. Anyhow, um, we're going to be getting to talk about the Bridgertons a lot more because we're doing all of their second epilogues. And so... We couldn't just leave it at the books, guys. We had to just extend it out a bit more. Yeah, there's so much to love and there's so much to celebrate with a Regency romance coming to the screen. So I am very excited about that. Anyhow, let's get into the book that we're talking about today, which is the second epilogue, or I should say the the snippet, the uh, Bridgerton, uh, I don't know, the Bridgerton story we're talking about today. How about that? There we go. Sounds good. <laughs> Which is the, the second epilogue from The Duke and I. So, Kelsey, where did we last leave our hero and heroine? So we left Simon and Daphne blissfully in love, and they have just celebrated the birth of their son, David, who is the fourth child of the couple. They've had three daughters previously, and... They're very much in love, and Simon's a little bit reassured, and he is not concerned with those letters that his father mysteriously left with a friend all those years ago. And I remember that in our last epilogue, he was a little angry, though, because somehow Lady Whistledown had guessed correctly the name of their son. Yes. (laughs) 
<laughs> which is David, uh, because they named their children alphabetically, just like oh. Violet. Violet had. So uh, carrying on the, the tradition, even though they are Hastings, not Bridgertons. Well, you know, Bridgerton to the core. Anywho, um, but yeah, so now we're picking up with them again. And they have, and uh, our happy couple have been married for 21 years. Whew. It is a good 16 years since we left them. Sorry, I was doing some quick math in my head. Anyway, so it's been a 16 years since we left them in their last epilogue. And Daphne is now 41 years old, and she's just discovered that she's pregnant. Oh, goodness. Yes. So we have now picked up, and Daphne is, is redoing the math in her head, because... She's like, I'm 41 years old. There's no way I can be pregnant. She's like, but I'm very regular, and we're definitely past the due date. She's like, but maybe my change of life is coming early. And that's when she goes and throws up in a chamber pot. So now we know that Daphne's pregnant, which is very exciting, but also terrifying. Anywho, Simon is heading out of town, and Daphne's not quite ready to tell him because she's secretly hoping that this is a false alarm. And so he heads, Simon heads out of town, and at the same time, Colin and Penelope come for a visit. And they come bringing all their children, and Daphne loves all the kids, and she's very excited. But she sees that something's up with her brother and sister-in-law. Well, first off, Penelope guesses immediately that she's pregnant, because Colin's like, you look <laughs> terrible. I'm your brother, and as your brother, you look terrible. And Penelope's like, shoosh, you can't say that to her. She's like, I'm right, right? And Daphne's like, yes, Penelope, you are. She's like, ha did it again. Anywho, but they came to talk about a bigger issue because their youngest son, Georgie, who's three years old, currently has not spoken yet. Ooh. And he seems to be a very bright child, and he understands perfectly well. Like, when they speak to him, he knows what they're saying to him. However, he just hasn't spoken yet. And so they were hoping to talk with Simon about it to see if he had any advice for them as parents. So while they're waiting for Simon to return, it is more and more obvious that Daphne is in fact pregnant. And when Simon comes home, he finds out almost immediately because he comes into the room and his wife is laying down and he's like, hey, baby. And she's like, hang on. And she goes to throw up. So he's like, oh, my God, we're pregnant. And at first he's like shocked. And then he's joyously happy. And then he hears about the news from Colin and Penelope. And his advice for them is truly... To just love their child and love him and support and, and show him that he loves. And if he never speaks, he never speaks. And if he talks with a stutter, just love him all the more. Which is great advice. Super great advice. But that makes him think about fatherly advice, doesn't it? Yes. So he finally picks up the letters that he's ignored for 21 years. And he reads them through with Daphne. And they're really lackluster. His father seems to have written him a lot of about estate things or just been like, oh, we're having a hunting party. would love to invite you. And he's like, why did my father just never mail them? Like, there's literally nothing in this. So clearly the old Duke was having some thoughts about, you know, getting rid of his son, essentially, and Simon going abroad and that relationship. And he was obviously missing out on something, but too bad for him because he's dead now. And Simon hurls them into the fire and he's just like, I love you. I'm ready for this child. And we're going to live happily ever after. The end. And they do. <laughs> Again, another happily ever after for our our wonderful couple. 
Oh, there was one other thing in the story that I do remember really liking, um, which was that Daphne mentions that she was, you know, her daughters are all coming out. Her three daughters are like all coming out at the same time. Mm -hmm. And she mentions that she is not going to send her daughters into the marriage bed so naively. And I was like, yes. (laughs) Good for her. I know. It was so good. So funny. Um, Because, yeah, I think that we complained about that in The Duke and I. Like, what the hell, Violet? But -hmm. I think that it was just Julia Quinn, you know, starting off as a writer, you know? I mean, obviously, this wasn't her first book, but it was still early in her career and 20 years ago. Well, and the sad thing is, is that was probably a very real conversation that a lot of women in that class had. At that point. Oh, yeah. Or the lack thereof. Yeah, the lack of conversation. That was about the amount of information they had. Yeah. I mean, and they did have a conversation, but her mom was like, you, you know, right? And that was it. And it was like, Yeah, that's uh, true. That was terrible. uh, Okay. So, no, yeah. So what did you think of this, uh, this little revisit to our to Simon and Daphne. Um, I thought it was cute. I don't quite understand why Daphne needs to be pregnant again, to be perfectly honest. But that's fair. Like, life happens. Yeah. yeah. And that does happen to couples. Like, I mean, yeah. I've had friends who, like, had that happen, like, in high school where all of a sudden their parents had a baby and they were like, uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. No. Ma- uh, magical late-in-life babies do happen. I'm not saying they don't. However, like, I didn't necessarily find it necessary. However, I did like their interactions with Daphne and her daughters and just Mm -hmm. seeing like just that quick interaction between Simon and Daphne again. I just think I liked it more on the like revisiting of characters. And I did like the fact that just because Simon didn't have to deal with, you know, his stutter with his own children. I like the fact that, you know, they he could be there for another child in that sense, because it was such a defining characteristic of his life. Mm -hmm. And for him to be able to help guide parents who were worried but wanted to love and he's, you know, who loved their child but were concerned, he's like, yes, but it doesn't change the fact that you love your child. And at least we know he's smart and bright and notice those things and, you know, express, you know, how good those things are. So I just like that he was able to help someone else with that. And I, you know, it did kind of help and release his father, that last little bit of his father. He just was able to let it go. Yeah, and us as readers, we we finally get that closure because you've wanted to know. And it's interesting because Julia Quinn writes like a little note about that mm-hmm. where she says like at first she thought that she would have something really groundbreaking in the letters when she was writing the book, but then realized like that actually his arc was to to not care about what's in them. Yeah. And I think that the choice to make them extraordinarily mundane is brilliant. I agree with like, that. It, it, it is this kind of like you made the right choice all along and, you know, you had closure already and now you have like you've you've locked the trunk or, you know, you've mm-hmm. put the, the bow on top, whatever uh, metaphor you want to use. But uh, I loved that. I, I, I think some people might feel very unsatisfied with that sort of ending, but I think it's very smart and kind of cheeky, and I love it. I 100% agree with that. And I also want to say, very in Julia Quinn fashion, we have some great lines. Mm-hmm. And so I just have this one because it's just so Julia Quinn with its wit and its little snark and its just hilarious. So this is after Simon finds out that Daphne's pregnant again. 
And this is like a quick little aside because they're joking about her and her morning sickness and this and that. And after he makes a comment, he's like, and uh, he says to Daphne, you're an odd duck, Daphne Bassett. And then he quickly leaves the room because, <laughs> parentheses, there was a certain history to this. While heavily pregnant with Amelia, she had asked him if she was radiant or if she looked like a waddling duck. He told her she looked like a radiant duck. This had not been the correct answer. I remember that from our episode. I think that was one of your favorite quotes. And it, I, it made me laugh this time. And I went to highlight it. And I was like, wait, I think we use this one. But I'm so glad you brought it back up because it's one of the best lines ever. <laughs> she it, looked like a radiant duck. I'll tell y'all listeners right now, I feel I feel like a waddling duck. <laughs> <laughs> but when no, this Zoe, episode you're comes out. Duck. You're a radiant duck, Zoe. <laughs> oh, thank you. This episode comes out two days before my due date. So... Who knows? <laughs> uh, but yeah, right now I feel like a, a waddling duck, but I'll try to feel more radiant as the day wears on. <laughs> I'll work on that. Oh, goodness. So cute. Yeah. And I mean, I, I have to say, like, whatever I've been reading, especially as I've been pregnant, when I've been reading these books that have uh, women who have pregnancy symptoms in them, and I've been very lucky. I've I've been pretty light on a lot of my symptoms of pregnancy, so um, you know, lucky me. But uh, my first trimester was horrendous, uh, and I had so much morning sickness. So, like, I really feel for these ladies, like not having any sort of idea or really like clear, you know, medic that might might work. Um, today, you can you can take this combination of um, Unisom and vitamin B. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember which vitamin B, but um, it's six, I think. Um, and you can take it like three times a day. And that does help many women, doesn't help all. It helped me so much. But uh, yeah, I, I threw up every day. I mean, every day. And uh, <laughs> so all I'm saying is, uh, I feel you, girl. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Ooh. So I was happy to revisit Daphne and Simon too. It was exciting. I think the best thing for me was to see them be more mature, right? Mm-hmm. And be, be able to talk about uh, Daphne's like inexperience and how she is doing uh, even better with her own daughters. And yeah, and, and I'm interested. I don't remember. Well, actually, I do remember Colin and Penelope's epilogue focuses on that Eloise learning that Penelope is Lady Whistledown. So I'm yes. like, are we going to revisit the sun at all? Uh, but I'm, I'm sure we'll get uh, some closure on that then. It's just been so long since I've read it. So we'll get back around to that uh, in a little while. Yes, we will. But yeah, so I think this was a good part one of eight of our second epilogues. (laughs) I agree. Uh, But we're not doing Bridgerton's second epilogues next week. Next week, we are going back to the Escondido Library Romance Chats, our series of chats that we're airing. And next week's a really cool episode because it's all about getting started in romance with debut authors, Allison Ashley and Yaffa S. Santos. And it was really cool when when we talked to them because one of them, um, uh, had been her book had just come out like a month before, and one of them her book was coming out like in a week or or the next month. So it was like this really kind of active time in both of these debut authors' lives. So um, I'm excited to share that with you guys. That sounds super exciting. <laughs> 
And if you want to get in touch with us, you can always send us an email at romancepod at gmail.com. But you can also check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Tia's and Tom and as in Nancy Strumpets on Facebook and Pinterest slash T and Strumpets. And you can find us on YouTube if you just search our name. Yes. And as always, uh, rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend, tweet about the show, share us everywhere so that other people who love Regency romance can find us too. So thanks so much for listening and join us next week for Getting Started in Romance with Allison Ashley and Yaffa S. Santos. And may all your ever afters end happily. Tea and Strumpets is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Hey everybody, we are learning the tropes. I'm Aaron. I'm Clayton. And I'm the romance novel veteran. And I'm the virgin. And every week we read a different romance novel and then we talk about what we loved about it. We talk about all of our favorite tropes. We talk about only one bed, secret places. Secret places, that's mine. You stole it. <laughs> Every trope under the sun. Mm-hmm. And to give you a little taste of our show, we're going to play a clip from an episode where we reviewed Lorian Donner's Fury. Justice was a secret perv. He wanted to bust it and see sex. Oh, I mean, we can tell you every single time they had sex or anything, Justice busted. And it's like, just be cool, dude. Uh-huh. But also, Fury, put a sock on the door. Like, just be like, I'm banging my girlfriend. Yeah. Don't come in. <laughs> Bro code. <laughs> Do the new species not know about bro code? Learning the Tropes comes out every Wednesday, and you can listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts. So come check us out. 